We're rolling here. Hello, I'm Charles Musgrove, and welcome back for another episode of Business Matters. I'm your host. I'm with the Bean Team, but we're going to talk Business Matters. Just like all of our other shows, they always have great information. We try to provide answers to the issues that you may have as a business owner or running a business or operating a business. Uh, We've talked about weed in the workplace. We've talked about negative social media posts. We've talked about sales tax, multi-state sales tax issues. Those may sound boring to some people, but we know if you're listening, you're going to like it. Uh, You are listening to the show before the show of the recording we do for the radio station here at 93.3 Real Talk Radio. And today is going to, uh, we're going to bring you some great nuggets today. This is a, um, this is a topic that I get as a, as an accountant, as a CPA all the time. And it's dealing with what type of entity should I set up? Uh, how should I set that up for legal liability protection? How should I set it up for the best tax result? So we get this question all the time and we like it when we get it, when businesses are setting up. Unfortunately, we get this sometimes after the business has already been operating. So we've got a return special guest expert today, Nicholas Fugate. He is uh, he's an expert in this matter, and I think we're going to call this Protect Your Assets. All right. And this is uh, – we're going to spend the first show at least on the business. Okay. So then we'll dive into uh, – if we do a second show, I know there's a, there's a lot of – a lot of information here we can we can go over. There's there's really a, a a section that deals with your personal assets away from the business. So absolutely, how, how to title your assets, how to set those up. So those all have different consequences on protection. So that's what we really want to do is protect the assets. Uh, we'll start with the business and welcome back. Absolutely, good to be back. Yeah, I know we had uh, we did a, a show at least one show before on wills and trusts. What are wills? What are trusts? Should you have them? Yes, sir. Uh, who should have them? I think everybody should probably have them. I think so as well. So uh, tune in. This is uh, this is kind of the show before the show, like I was saying. So this is exclusive for the podcast. And go back and listen to some of our other podcasts that we have on Apple Podcasts. We also have those on our website on uh, beanteam.com. So we have all the shows ho- uh, posted there. Uh, you'll find some good information, and, and Nick provided us a lot of good information before on wills and trusts. So this is uh, this kind of delves into another area, but one that is, like I said, it is critically important. Well, certainly it is, and I think um, with small businesses, a lot of these things, there's a little bit of overlap there with your personal finances and your business. Your business is your baby. Right. And in a lot of ways, um, making that that clean split between your business life and your personal life there's a lot of overlap there and with proper planning um you can certainly uh mitigate the risks that are out there absolutely so, you know that's one of the things I'll, I'll i take for granted and, and kind of assume that but a lot of a lot of times that is an issue run your business separate that from your personal spend your personal finances those are those are two different uh entities if you will what you do personally what you what you spend your money on, what you receive your money on versus the business. So those should be clearly distinct separate bank accounts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, having that line of distinction legally is very important when it comes to protecting those assets. When you step back and you look in, at your entire plan, 
that business is part of your personal plan. There's a reason that you started that business to begin with. And that's 99% of the time it's to personally enrich yourself and your family going forward. And so um, having the right the right documents and the right plans in place can protect you, your family, and your business as that separate entity going forward if something were to happen to you. Good. Well, let's, uh, that's, uh, that brings up another point. We're, when we have this discussion, when we go through this, we're going to talk about not just conceptually how it should be done, but we'll talk about the documents that kind of memorialize those those uh, those distinctions and those that legal protection as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I certainly would start off here with the disclaimer that everyone's situation is different. And so um, the advice, the talk that we give today, we talk about, is very general umbrella, and these are these are topics that you should bring up with the professionals in your life helping you out with your business going forward uh just so that you have the right questions to ask absolutely yeah this is uh i'm glad you brought that up you're not giving out legal advice for the individual it's all going to be different but this is uh this is a i think just another great episode with uh some nuggets that i think every every that's going to be valuable to to everyone absolutely to shine a light on those things that you need to be thinking about yeah absolutely so let's uh with that being said, we're going to have a little uh, music that starts us off, and then that'll lead us right into the recording for the radio show on Real Talk 93.3. So hold on, get ready, buckle up, and let's start the music. Good morning and welcome back. Another exciting episode is ahead of us. I'm Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and your host of Business Matters on Real Talk 93.3. You know, we've had great shows in the past. This was gonna, this is going to be no exception to that rule. Listen, we have this episode is on legal liability protection, selection of the right entity for your business. What types of forms should we set up? What are the tax consequences of that? We got in the house today. Nicholas Fugate. He's back for another exciting episode. Nicholas, thank you and welcome back. And we're looking forward to the nuggets you're going to bring us on the entity selection, the legal liability protection. Why do you set up the different entity types? What do they mean? What do you get from the different entities? So welcome back and give us a shout out. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Um, Yeah, this, this is exciting stuff to those who get excited about this stuff. But it is certainly, at the end of the day, something that should be talked about. I Um, I totally believe that. Man, I get this, uh, as a CPA, I get this question all the time. And I like it when when businesses are just starting and they ask the question, hey, should I be an LLC? Should I be an S corporation? Should I be a C corporation? What does it mean from, they're asking me from a tax standpoint or business standpoint. But I always refer back to there's different legal consequences with all these as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, they're they're built for different things, and there's never any one-size-fits-all. So it really depends on the situation you have coming in, um, taking a look at what you want to do, what's already started. A lot of folks, um, sometimes they fall into a business and get going before they even have the traction underneath them that is and true so, they, they've just started they've they've got a name that they're using and they're just running it as a sole proprietorship absolutely and so uh hopefully we can speak a little bit about how to tighten that up well let's start right there because that's that's usually the default that people start with as a sole proprietorship so 
that's the easiest you can start that with basically nothing so tell us what that is what does that mean from reality standpoint and from a legal standpoint um so from reality standpoint it is you working for yourself you can put yourself out there under your name and go to work a lot of times i see in the legal business us lawyers um there are some sole proprietors out there working under nicholas d fugit esquire uh i don't think that any of our law professors would recommend that when we were going through nor those around us as we go out but um it's certainly a way to start business folks can even as doing business as a sole proprietor um you can apply for uh, doing business as a dba work, so you file uh, that with the state of florida you file that with the state of florida um in fact i had to do one the other day you also have to run it in a newspaper of local circulation so with that you get that filed with the state of florida and folks at least know if they see that name they can attach it back to the person that it's it's under so so the benefit is you can start it up real easy absolutely the downside or the the what tell me what the bad side of that the, is the downside is is that there is no separation between you and that business that business is you and so any liability that that business incurs falls on you personally so whatever toxic waste that you may have running that business you just brought it into your personal life that's as well. right I, if you if you go out and you borrow money and you, at the end of the day the business doesn't work they can then begin to look to your personal assets to pay for that. And so there's no longer that firewall that a corporation can can put up to protect you personally from those liabilities that are out there. Is there is there ever a reason that you would operate as a sole proprietorship? Um, when I hired my nanny. Okay. I ran as a sole proprietor on, on my tax forms there. It was a one-on-one relationship um taking care of that but it's only in those my advice is it's only in those intimate situations like that where you need to provide an employer employee relationship but you don't need something larger and that it's also not going to be a very risky endeavor right yeah that's uh you picked a you picked a situation that i wouldn't have picked i i'm i'm kind of stressed stretched out to uh come up with an example of when you would ever do that so if you're not going to do a sole proprietorship, I guess the second default is that most people hear of in the state of Florida is an LLC. That is correct. So you have, um, tell us about the different types of LLCs. So uh, there's many different types of LLCs. You could have a professional LLC where only professionals who are in the various regulated industries can be a member of that LLC. But then there's a general LLC. Um, limited liability corporations what it stands for um and then within that it is then categorized by how many members that you do have in that llc um an llc does not take shares you have um you have membership interests that are spelled out in your organizing documents and the like and so you own a percentage of that entire um corporation company that you have is it also referred to as units it can be referred to as units um either one of those but at the end of the day they all have to equal 100 percent. okay so if you have a single member llc and a multi-member llc i know there's there's tax tax differences in that tell us what the differences are from a from a legal perspective from a legal perspective and looking at it from the protection that it offers you here in the state of florida there's a decision it's been a little bit now a little under a decade it was called the olmstead decision 
And in that, the court said that a single member LLC did not shield that single member from the creditors of that LLC. And so in that case, you would be in the same boat that you were running a sole proprietorship. Thus, that limited liability, that wall there is almost an illusion. It's with thin. The it's very thin. It's very thin. So, um, so if, you, if, if multi-member is better from a legal perspective, how much, how much percentage of those units does that other member need to have? Well, it has to be a real interest. And so as many things that we lawyers deal with, we like to live in the gray. The gray uh, area. And so it does have to be a real interest. Um, and that meaning that that other person that is the other member of the LLC, they have to receive financial statements. There has to be a real opportunity for them to hear about the business and have decision decision making in it. Now, if they only hold 10% of the membership interest or the units, then at the end of the day, the one with 90% or the group with the majority is still going to have final say. Right. But that that opportunity has to be afforded for that conversation to be had. Right. I've seen it, uh, and not to say that it's <clears throat> it's legally the best solution, but anywhere from 1% to 10% is that second member or that minority interest, and that provides that multi-member situation, thus that legal liability protection. Absolutely. Um, if I'm being conservative, I say go higher with that number if it's somebody that you trust, and they also have something to add into the situation. Um, if it's a partner that's working with you day to day, then that's when we can begin to look at those higher levels. Right. So um, you could even take, let's say there's uh, 90% is owned by another entity that an owner of that entity could represent the uh, the second group of ownership. Absolutely. So it's not another it's not another living, breathing person that has to be that second member. Right. It can also be another corporate entity right. uh, that can own within that. Um, and you could also have a relative or even your spouse. Um, and in some instances, I have seen, and we'll talk later about different ways to own things jointly here in Florida, where a husband and wife own that second minority interest, whereas only one of them owns the first. Right, Exactly. And so, so what you're trying to do there is create, what you're doing is, I've heard this explained to me before, you're creating as many barriers as possible to prevent an outside party or inside party from piercing that veil. That is correct. And when we talk about this outside party, uh, usually it is creditors. So you don't want creditors of the LLC to be able to run all the way through the LLC to get to you individually. Right. But if you have creditors individually... You don't want them to be able to run in and get into the LLC. Right. And so there's protection on both sides from that. Right. And it makes sense that if there's multiple owners of that entity, the multi-member situation, that the courts or those outside judging that, they're going to be more hesitant to break that apart. They'll be reluctant because they don't want to penalize uh, when it's coming from the individual side running into the LLC. They don't want to penalize the other members for individual decisions that were made apart from the business relationship created in the LLC. Exactly. And all of this helps your defense. It does not prevent someone from bringing an action against the entity or the person. It does not prevent an action. Um, The only only thing I've ever seen to prevent an action in the state of Florida is if it is entirely frivolous. Right. Um, At the end of the day, someone can sue you, but that does not mean that they're going to win. 
So this is, um, we're talking about legal liability protection here, and we'll jump into some tax differences. But before we go down that road, so if we have a multi-member LLC and we have an S corporation that's a single one, one stockholder owns all the S, is there a difference on the legal liability protection between those two situations? In the corporation situation, yes, there is, as that, that is an entirely different so, so in the S corp, you don't need to have multiple stockholders of that to provide the same protection as a multi-member. That is correct. Okay, so if I'm comparing a one stockholder S corporation to a multi-member LLC, they're pretty much equal in a, in a lot of ways. Yes. Okay. So, um, I mean, you'll have other you'll have other issues in how it's set up and the actual ownership and how you hold that ownership. Right. Um, but on that that end you you're protected in the same ways that you're not protected under a single member llc because of olmstead and i did mention olmstead before the legislature came back in and codified olmstead i believe it was in 2014 is when that was codified and so that's in the statutes now okay so that's that's pretty recent okay so there are both of those we'll just touch on this a little bit both of the s corporation and the llc are flow-through entities from a tax perspective. So that means the entity itself is not responsible for paying the income tax. It flows through to the owners, whether that's a stockholder in an S-Corp or whether that's members in the LLC. That's correct. And the stockholder in the S-Corp has to make that election. Exactly. And so when you set up that corporation, if you want that to flow through all the way to you individually, that election has to be made. Exactly. So, so that's a good point. And that election is a Form 2553. It's fairly simple, but it's an election to be taxed as an S corporation, which means that you, the stockholder of that corporation, say, I will pay those taxes individually. So that's what that 2553 form is doing. So let's um, let's go back to the multi-member LLC. Now, it can be taxed as a partnership, a 1065, or you can also do an S election for that LLC. That is correct. And so that, so whatever portion that you receive of the profits of that company would flow through to you individually. Right. So you're going to get, that's, there's going to be a flow through either on the 1065 K1 or the S corporation K1. However, there's, <clears throat> there are some differences in how the members and the stockholders are taxed, how they receive their their compensation, whether it's an S-Corp or whether it's a, a partnership and they're a member. So there are some, some nuances in that, and a lot of times an S-Corporation can provide a better tax situation for that stockholder than the LLC when it comes to self-employment tax and payroll tax. That's correct. There's really a wash in the federal income tax that flows through. However, there is a difference in the the uh, payroll tax, whether it's self-employment tax or whether you're paying FICA, food suit, and all that, and, and that's a good point to make is that some of the some of these folks that we're talking to today, you're working for yourself. Right. You're your own man. Um, I, that's certainly where I'm at as well, and so um, you're getting taxed one way or the other exactly. on all of that. Yeah. But when you when you get to the point that you can expand, there are other consequences that are out there that you need to take a look at in order to maximize that tax savings. At the same time, you want to do it, keeping an eye that I'm also protecting against liability as well. Exactly. All right, so we've talked, we've touched on the S Corporation and the LLC, whether it's a multi-member or a single member. So let's dive into uh, if if it's an out-of-state 
So you could also, you, you hear me say, well, don't get a single-member LLC in Florida. You could look to other states that have laws in place that do protect you um, in a single-member LLC. Um, Delaware, Texas, I believe Nevada, just off the top of my head. Um, first, you're going to incur different costs because you're going to be an out-of-state business registering and filing to do business in Florida. Um, you may have jurisdictional issues um, depending on the amount of money and crossing state lines, whether we're going to end up at some point in a federal court. Right. Uh, there, there's other things surrounding if you go out of state with that. But what they do and what their laws have in place is they say that a charging order is the only remedy that a creditor has. And so in Florida, with the multi-member LLC, um, a creditor of an individual can get a charging order. A charging order is the court saying that any money that is legally due this person, that this creditor can then step in their shoes. Basically a garnishment. Okay. So you could still, if there's mandatory distributions coming from a multi-member LLC, that creditor can they get can to step those. In place in that. But what they cannot do is to stand in your shoes and force a partition or a foreclosure of your business. They cannot come in and say, I like your new shiny machine you have there. If we could just sell that, I'll get all my money back. They can't come in and stand in and vote and add management weight to your decisions in the multi-member LLC. Whereas that's exactly what was taken away with the single-member LLC. First, they get a charging order. If they can't collect doing that, then the courts have the legislature has said that they have the right to come in and to foreclose on your business and take your business over. So if it's an LLC, single-member LLC created in Delaware, they're afforded? They're some, afforded protection of the charging order only. Okay. There's no foreclosure process that they can... So they, they're in similar position as they are a multi-member in the state of Florida. That's correct. All right. So tell me, uh, what's the deal with, with Delaware? Does it... If you if you incorporate in Delaware, can the outside public see the ownership of those entities, or why do people flock to? Why do they flock to Delaware? Such clauses as this, um, protection of who's filing what. Um, Delaware has historically had a legislature that wanted to bring in that type of business, and so they've created their laws in such a way that it offers protection to a wide range, not just LLCs, all the way up to to large C corporations and the like, is that they're very business friendly there and want to drive that to their state. And so they put those things in place um, to entice even others from outside the... Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's been around as long as I've been in business. As Delaware is the... Is it called is the, a hot sta spot. the state of corporations? I, I don't know what their tagline is, but it's... Uh, I don't know if it's the state of opportunity. That, I think that may be Arkansas. Check your junk mail next time and see where it's coming from. Yeah, it could be Delaware. So th that's interesting. Uh, any other tidbits on other states out there that are like Delaware? Um, Texas and Nevada, I do know that um, they have that same protection there. Um, I don't – I wouldn't say in the grand scheme of things that we're told that these other places are quite as business-friendly as Delaware. And so um, if you're looking to that, I would certainly look to um, – Find advice up there as to making sure that you get your documents in place up there and be afforded the full protection that they do have. Good. If you're just joining us, you are listening to Business Matters. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove, and we've got Nicholas Fugate. We're talking about 
uh, setting up entities, the different uh, types of liability protection that you're afforded under those. So, Nick, let's jump into, we talked about one form, the 2553, which is a tax form, and it designates a corporation as a small business and will be taxed as an S corporation. There are there are other important documents that outline the governance of whether it's an S corporation or an LLC. What are the what are the governing documents that, if anything happens, the, the people look to that to tell them how to how to govern the either the dissolution of the company, payout of the company, the the assets of the company. Let's take care of paying a the shareholder that's passed away, that's died, or right. disabled. So, what are the documents that govern so, that? Um, let's start with an LLC in this example. Okay. So in Florida, the default in Florida is actually written into um, the Limited Liability Act, Corporation Act. And so if you don't have anything in place, you're going to default to the statutes as far as the intricacies of that. Now, to open an LLC, you have to file articles of incorporation. Right. Um, and it is a can be a very basic document, or you can add clauses to there that also circumscribe and define how the business is so, going to be run. So when you go to sunbiz.org and you can do this all online, you can you can set up your, your LLC with the articles of organization, file, submit that online. and Absolutely. And basically in that articles of organization, you're going to name who the, um, who the managing member is. Right. Whether it is member managed or it is managed managed, um, you have to name that. You have to name a registered agent in the state of Florida on whom process can be served. If your company is sued, they got to have someone here in Florida and they need a physical address to deliver that to. All right. So, um, um, I don't want to take a deep dive in this, but if you can, if you can make this, do this point, uh, very summarized. So the registered agent, you mentioned registered agent, you mentioned, um, manager managed and member managed. That is correct. So tell us, Registered agent. What's the importance of that person? Is that is a physical person here that can be served process in legal in legal papers in the state of Florida. Okay, so that that should not be your CPA. A lot of times the default is that's either the person that's setting up the entity. A lot of times, probably, I would guess that maybe seventy percent of the time you're going to name yourself okay. if you're going to be uh, if you're the member. Right. The other would be the your attorney. attorney. Right. So those are those are those two are probably. The ones used the most, and I would say those are the acceptable ones. Absolutely, absolutely. They have to be a natural person here in Florida, and in order to be served. So th- now to the managing of the entity. So, so there, manager managed and member managed. So there's manager managed and there's member managed, and we could do a deep dive here as yeah. there are implications as to um, how you want to set that up. Um, a member managed means that the folks that are members of it, they're going to be the ones calling the shot. Managing puts that onus on a manager. Okay. And so, very simple. Yeah, but. so let, let's leave it as that. that's an area that as the membership grows, as the number of members grow in that and the complexity of the organization, that's really an area to look at. It is, and, and it's also something you can look at when you're doing this asset planning, asset protection planning as well. Right. Um, you could even set up things in such a way that there is a administrative manager that has all the authority to do everything except for close the business and to um, issue um, to issue share not shares but to issue a distribution. Right. And so you can separate those powers from each other, thus giving you another layer in there of protection against folks trying to attack your LLC from without and from 
within. Right. So when we're setting up our LLC, the simple is what what we get on SunBiz. Then there is, as right. the business is more complex, typically as you have more members, you want to have a more uh, complete operating agreement. Well, I would I would argue that even at simple, that you want to go ahead and get an operating agreement in place. Um, that operating agreement can always be amended and modified as you grow and as your needs change or as you've determined that you need to manage this corporation in a different way. Um, but that operating agreement can do a lot of things there. It can... It can define how the corporation is going to run moving forward. It can define who can own membership interest in your corporation. It can define um, means of removal if you need to have someone removed because for whatever reason they're causing a problem. It can even define things that we'll go into later with buy-sell agreements, but it can define end-of-business issues such as terminating or even um, transferring interest in the business uh, to another entity. Good. Nick, there's a lot of information on this. I foresee a second show on this, so all of you out there in Radio Land, be listening for an upcoming episode with Nicholas Fugate. We're going to get into more of these issues concerning setting up a business, setting up the legal side of, of a business, making sure that your documents are in place, This is uh, another episode that has some very valuable information, some great nuggets brought to us by Nicholas Fugate today. I'm your host, Charles Musgrave. I want to thank you again for joining us this Sunday morning on Real Talk 93.3. If you want to check out our previous episodes of Business Matters, go to Apple Podcasts. We also have them on our website, beanteam.com. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a blessed week. Check with us next Sunday at 1130 a.m. Business matters. We care about your business. Tune in for more. Peace.